When she was born, she was not breathing. We were just crying because we felt like pretty much that it was over um, at that point. And out of pretty much nowhere, I, she was just laying on my chest and I was just rubbing my finger on her chest like this. And um, she just kind of went, you know, just like this tiny raspy breath. We're told we have, you know, 24 to 72 hours at most. And so Hayden and I were just staring at her all the time, like, how much longer are we gonna have you? You know, is it gonna be an hour? Is it gonna be through the night? Is it gonna be two nights? You know, we had no idea. Put another log on the fire Nobody here is getting tired Welcome to the Fire Pit with Matt Janella. So by now, if you're listening to this particular podcast, I'm going to assume you've either read or watched the Hayden Springer story on thefirepitcollective.com. If you haven't, I strongly suggest you hit pause now, read the story, which was written by Ryan French, and then watch the story, which was produced by Ben Van Hook, shot by Henry Link, and edited by Adam Schoen. While you're doing that, I'll take a second to thank our partners at Link Soul, who don't just make clothes, they foster and cultivate community golf, junior caddies, and a culture that has quickly become the answer key for municipalities all over the country. Go to linksoul.com and use promo code FIREPIT25 for 25% off your next purchase. Okay, back to the backstory of the Hayden Springer story. As you all probably know by now, the Fire Pit Collective's first hire was Ryan French, whose personal story was also a recent podcast. In just a few weeks of working with Ryan, I guess I'm stunned and yet not surprised at his relentless delivery of compelling observations on aspiring tour pros. And when he sent in his first draft of the Hayden Springer story, I couldn't believe what I was reading. And it's not just that Sage Springer took that first breath and then so many more. Or that while Sage is surviving, Hayden was qualifying for the U.S. Open. Or that Emma lives and works as a nurse all day, every day, to make both the surviving and qualifying possible. And it's even deeper than they do it all with such ease and selfless grace. For me, it's also about the fact that I'm a parent, that our son had complications at birth. And if it wasn't for the staff at the Winnie Palmer Hospital in Orlando, he wouldn't be alive today. So it's all of that, which is why when watching the story produced by Ben Van Hook, my wife and I sobbed. But it was an oddly good cry, and I'm happy for them cry. As Ryan French said to me, you think it's supposed to be a sad story, but it's not. And I think that's the true miracle here. It's that they're all refusing sadness. That Sage is denying death. And that with Dad on the bag and the whole family in the crowd this week, Hayden could win the whole damn thing. So with that, I recently spoke to Ryan and Ben together about how they reported their stories and asked that they share their perspective on why this story matters to them. I start with Ryan French on how he became aware of what Hayden Springer was going through. A follower uh, sent me a message, and and I think it's just 
a very delicate story and stories like this. Uh, I want to make sure I have the players input and I put in, uh, you know, I put it in their words, what they want out there. Um, and so I talked to Hayden after I had heard from a story and had heard the story from a follower who was a family friend. And he's like, you know, we're not, we're not quite ready there. That was the right when Sage was being born. And I think even before she was born, I'm not sure. And um, then Emma has become kind of an advocate of, of babies with trisomy 18 has been outspoken about their life. And so I talked to him again and he, he wanted to share, but again, it's just a serious, heavy story that I wanted to do justice to. And then, um, yeah, we were in Las Vegas and I saw him outside the clubhouse and um, he had just Monday qualified, which is again, amazing. And him and I had messaged, you know, multiple times leading up to that. And we just, sat outside the clubhouse and talked for 10 or 15 minutes about what his life is and his story and, and how amazing I thought it was. And I, and I tell it if he wanted to tell it. And so, um, he agreed and, and I talked to Emma after that. And, um, I, you know, I've been connected with Hayden and, and Emma since then. And it's just, it, it's, it, it's the heaviest, but best story, uh, that I want to say, you know, back to what Ben said, this does not feel sorry for it. It's an appreciation for what Emma does and what Hayden does uh, on the golf course. The first version of the story was written before Springer had qualified for the U.S. Open. It was, in theory, in the fire pit queue. And then by way of the U.S. Open qualifier at the Dallas Athletic Club, by one shot, Springer was bound for Torrey Pines. So now what? Do we run the story right away? I know Ryan and I were inclined to go that route. Seemed to make sense. Just qualified for the U.S. Open. Ryan has written this crazy, amazing, inspirational, emotional feature. I said, I think you update it and let's hit send. But we opted to wait for Shipnuck to chime in. Alan suggested that we wait all the way through and essentially build our U.S. Open coverage around the Springer story. His point was that even if someone else would write or produce a version of the story, that no one would have the story Ryan was telling. And Alan was right. We all opted to wait. But while waiting, why not tell it visually as well? Which is when I called Ben Van Hook, an Orlando-based photographer who I used to work with at both Sports Illustrated and Golf Digest. Van Hook had made the transition into producing and shooting videos for a variety of clients, and although we used to play Winter Park 9 together, we hadn't really worked together in eight years. I sent him the story and asked if he and his team would be interested in a quick trip to Dallas. They were obviously in. We were shocked when we went there and, and met them uh, because, like, you know, I read, I read the story and, uh, you know, super touched by that. And then I had a FaceTime call with Emma and, you know, her personality is just like, you know, it's just uh, so explosive. And it's like, she's got this, this aura about her, this personality. And I was like, oh, this is great. You know, she's really outgoing and she's very articulate and, and she's very convicted. And, and then, um, and then when we got there and we met them, it was just like, I mean, it was really overwhelming emotionally because they, uh, the family has got this giant heart you know everybody in the family does and it's like a you know a group effort 
to try to make this machine work. And, um, and then they were just so open and, you know, they really want to tell their story for, uh, especially for other people going through the similar kinds of things that they're doing. And it's just very, uh, very touching, you know, to, to, to be there and to, to like witness it firsthand. I told Matt, um, when, when we were interviewing Emma, like the whole crew was crying. Like we were all like in tears because it was so touching, you know? Ryan French and his wife, who's a nurse, also had a serious health scare with their son, Jack, which made Ryan even more empathetic to what the Springers were going through. I haven't, I haven't gone through exactly that, but I think when you have a child that could potentially, you know, die from something, and in our case, a, a surgery, like you relate to stories like this more. You you can you can feel what they're feeling. You can you you know what that meeting with doctor means. You know what what you don't know what tomorrow is. Uh, you know, I think that's why I'm happy to tell this story because yeah, I can relate to it on on some some way. When Jack was in the hospital and had gone through all this and was vomiting every night. I could hardly function. And I was running a group of restaurants, right? Like I wasn't at my best and this guy is doing, I mean, I can relate on that end as like, I don't, it, it just gives me such an appreciation for the level of golf he's playing. Cause you know, we weren't sleeping, we weren't doing those things. And that is in a short term, not close to what these folks are going through. And, you know, I wasn't at my best or, or even close to my best. So it just, again, just gives another level of appreciation for the golf that he in the family structure that lets him play golf like that. We didn't have a long time to get Ben to sync up with the Springers and their schedule as they braced for whatever the U.S. Open week would entail. But they agreed to let us in their home. And then the fear was, what was the exact situation Ben would be going into? The baby had survived the necessary heart surgery at four months old. It was gaining weight and strength, but it's still incredibly vulnerable to something like the common cold. And it's definitely safe to say every day. For Sage is literally a miracle. Originally, you know, my thought as a filmmaker was like, okay, this is going to be um, a very fast cutting um chaotic situation you know with with you know she works nights as a nurse he's gone all the time the family they're living with his parents that's the house he grew up in which is like unbelievable you know they're living there because they don't have another choice right now they need this help this family help and when she talks about the family and the friends that have really stepped up to help that's when she gets the most emotional about uh, about the story and um it just it shows how like close it is to her heart that all these people have rallied around them to help help them. And, um, and that was very touching. And um, but the, but but in my mind, I was like, OK, this is going to be like like total chaos because, you know, it's like th there's no you know, there's no schedule, really. The baby needs 24 hour, seven day a week care. I mean, really, in reality. And that's the reason that you see them drag their mattress into the bedroom of the baby and they sleep there when they're both home because it's a queen size bed and the baby won't fit in the bed with them. So they need to be in the room with the baby all night. So you can imagine that going on for eight months and the lack of sleep and all that. So in my mind, I was thinking, okay, this is going to be uh, 
very chaotic. But in essence, when I got there, it was it was so elegant the way that they were living their lives. And like, I think because it's just driven by this deep love that they have for Sage and um, and, it, and it's reflected in like everything that they do, like how they care for her, how they treat each other. You know, it's like you, you can see that in the, in the daily life, how they all pitch in. I mean, there was never a, a you know, a, a, a stern moment or, you know, everybody's tired. So everybody's in the same boat. And um, but they but they really make it work. I mean, it's I mean, it's like you said, Ryan, it's like it, the superhuman feat that's going on with this family right now, because it's you know, I mean, I, I don't I don't know if I could do it but they're they're certainly doing it and and I'm like I'm old enough to be their father I mean these people are young you know they're 24 25 years old I mean they're they're just getting started it's like it's incredible I asked Ryan about marveling at the totality of this story when I wrote the article Matt it, it made me really think because I mean this is part of a lot of players stories is that that you know they have to they have to make a check to get to the next check to to grind and travel and all those kind of things. Um, you know, it made me reflect on, on two things in, of, of Hayden's stories. One is that, you know, that pro golf on this level is such a family sport, right? Uh, I mean, Emma is <laughs> it more important or important to be a part of Hayden's uh, playing career as anything that he can go and leave that at home. He's talked about it, that she's a hero and, you know, he can go and, and that, but I mean, Hayden is a very accomplished golfer. I mean, he was an all American at, at TCU. He beat Victor Hovland at the, at the big 12 championship. He's in the top 20 of the all pro tour, which is a very uh, good <laughs> developmental tour, mini tour. Uh, he's Monday qualified twice. He just lost in a playoff the week before, and now he's gotten through to the U.S. Open. I, I am really – I'm astonished by the level of play of anyone that can get to the U.S. Open. It, it is a next level, and Hayden is – outside of his home life, Hayden is in that group of people that you're – I mean, he's a very decorated player. Also, Matt, as you know, there's plenty of All-Americans who have the resume that that Hayden has that never play in a U.S. Open and never have the accomplishment that he's had in his young career. And to think about he's playing against players who are single, who have gym memberships, who don't, who sleep perfectly every night, who wear a whoop band and talk about recovery. And uh, to, to think that he's competing at above a lot of players when he's has the odds stacked against you. I mean, I was talking about that with my wife this morning, like the odds are stacked against every player out there. Uh, I mean, that's just the fact of the matter is like, there's going to be roughly 25 new people on the PGA tour this year, next year, one of 25 of thousands chasing it. And those are people that there's, there's players out there who have money, who have personal trainers and all that kind of stuff. And to think that he has to come home at three in the morning and care, and care about it and, and do those things, just it's astonishing his level of play. 
Van Hook on how and why Hayden Springer is capable of a hyper-focus on golf in the midst of such extreme and heart-wrenching distraction. But what we don't touch on in the film is that, uh, that his father uh, was in the Navy and he was an F-14 uh, pilot uh, in, uh, in combat. I mean, he, you know, he, the guy landed on aircraft carriers at night. You know, it's like really top level, intense stuff. And he's, uh, you know, his dad's a farm boy from Tennessee and he grew up on a dirt road, he told me. And all of a sudden he finds himself, you know, in the Navy and they, and they, and he, you know, he gets in aviation and they teach him how to fly these jets. So the one thing he said that they really drilled into them in the military was uh, this idea of compartmentalization and whatever problems that you have in your life and you have at home, you leave that behind when you get in the cockpit of a jet like that. And you have one mission and one purpose, and that's what you do. So it's super focused attention. And he said that he um, tried to instill that in Hayden growing up from a little boy. And I thought that was fascinating because uh, that's exactly what's, you know, uh, that's what's uh, happening now because he has to have that. And I asked Hayden about it because, you know, I mean, over my career, and I've worked with you at a bunch of different publications, Matt, that I photographed, you know, almost everybody who's anybody in professional golf. And, and, and I'm fascinated with how mental of a game it is, you know, on any given day, any of these guys could win. I mean, you, you have to be so sharp and, and tough mentally to win at that level. And so they, I think they all have some degree of this, but Hayden is like, you know, he, I think that's the way he grew up because of his dad. And I think that's the reason that he's performing at this level right now. His dad said, you know, it's, he's even amazed that he's playing the best golf of his life in the middle of this storm of, you know, emotion and everything that's going on at home. And and it is, you know, when you see it, it's like, you, you just can't, you know, you can't believe somebody could operate at that level. Do you have high hopes for Hayden Springer, the golfer? Yeah. I mean, I, I think of what he's gone through and to accomplish the things he's done. I mean, let's just take his family out of it. I mean, he's a very accomplished golfer. He's Monday qualified, which is, as we know, difficult to do. He's got to the U.S. Open. He's top 20. I mean, he's beaten Victor Hovland in college. Uh, yeah, he can be out there. Of course, it, it, as the people who have followed the account know, that it's really hard to do. And now add in what he has to deal with and his family have to deal with on a, on a daily basis. But if someone came to me and said, Hey, name, you know, the top 10 players that don't have status right now that you think are going to make it 100% Hayden would be in there. Um, so all of this shows how amazingly gifted he is on the golf course because he has the odds stacked against him. So if he makes the cut at the U S open, there's going to be a whole, a whole bunch of people cheering for him. Having just been with him, I asked Ben what he knew about the specifics of the Springer's U.S. Open week. You know, his dad has caddied for him more than anybody. And I think he was in one PGA Tour event, and he actually hired a caddy. And it, and it wasn't a great experience for him, I think. It, he was like, you know, what, why do I need, you know, my dad knows my game better than anybody. Um you know, even though uh, neither one of them have been to Torrey Pines, his dad's going to be caddying for him at the U.S. Open. And, he, and his dad had the conversation with him and said, look, 
this is business. You know, if you want to hire somebody or you want somebody that's, that's, you know, that's been there before that knows the layout that knows, you know, the yard, he, he said, I, I won't be offended at all. Take it. Don't make a decision right now. Take a day and talk about, you know, think about it. And he, uh, he came back the next day and said, you know, I want you, I want you on the bag. So that, uh, that's one thing. It's a family affair. And then before we left Dallas, um, it just in casual conversation, it didn't even come up in the film, but casual conversation, Emma said to me that depending on um, Sage's um, prognosis for, I think she had a little bit of a low oxygen level, the baby did. And so she's going to go back to the doctor, I think on Monday maybe, and, and get checked out. And if everything checks out, and they give her the green flag to travel. Well, uh, Emma and Sage already have tickets to fly to San Diego to be there with him and watch him. And she said, I know that it's like a lot of people would look at it and say like, oh, you've got this, you know, this baby that's special needs and it's really hard to travel and you probably shouldn't travel with them. And her attitude is like, this is the reason that they gave her this chance at life because they want her to live her life. And part of that is being there to see her dad play in the U S open. So, I mean, that's like, <laughs> that's like pretty amazing that, you know, it, you know, fingers crossed, you know, she's going to be there. And I mean, that's, you know, part of the amazing story is like to watch him, you know, compete the first two days, trying to make a cut. Ryan. I mean, you know, if, if, uh, if you're not rooting for Hayden Springer, for Sage Springer, if you're not in awe of Emma Springer <laughs> and all that's happening, that inner circle and that force that's bound for Tory Pines, if you're not in that camp, uh, you're no friend of mine. Yeah, I mean, you know, I always think that golf is a family affair, Matt, but there, there's nothing there's no story that I know about there that's, that's like this. And, uh, and it's a true family affair. And I mean, I, I forgot that it's father's day coming up Sunday with his dad on the bag. I mean, it is, if he's able to make the cut, I'm not sure there, there definitely shouldn't be a dry eye as they walk up 18. I can't thank you enough for uh, doing what you did to write the story. And it moved all of us immediately, you know, when we first read it. And then um, obviously passing the baton to Ben and team uh, to go do their version of the story. Um, this is. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I, I sent Hayden and Hayden and um, Emma text tonight, you know, and I said, uh, thanks for trusting us to tell your story, uh, you know. It's, uh, it's a story that needs to be told, and um, I'm happy they trusted us to do it. Did she respond back? Yeah, said, uh, yeah, thank you. We can't, we can't wait to see it. So, um, it, I've been lucky enough to tell a lot of golf stories, but nothing has been like before. What did you think when you saw Ben's story? Yeah, I mean, my wife and I, uh, yeah, I, I sent it to my wife and, and we cried together. It brings up 
about at the beginning, you know. Um, never want to face your own child's mortality. And, and uh, I, I just appreciate what they go through. And it's, it's just powerful. It really is. Ben, what's your, what's your biggest takeaway from just being a part of uh, the Springer's lives for those few days? Looking back at the relationship that I've had with you uh, over the last, what have we known each other 25 years, probably work together. And this is like the kind of like culmination or really the start of a new relationship of, of working with you guys and, 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 and telling these kinds of stories because um, you know, at the stage of, of my career and, and also Henry too, as well, it's like, we're, you know, the opportunity that you've given us to tell this story and the fact that the family, it was so, you know, giving, and it's just so beautiful that like, you know, I just feel very blessed to like be a part of it. You know, I'm just feel very lucky, you know, that life's led me in that direction that I can, you know, do, do this kind of work. And, um, and they're, you know, and, and, and I'm like, Ryan, I've told a lot of stories, <laughs> told a lot of golf stories and, uh, and, and, you know, shot a lot of film over the years, but this one, this is special. This is different. This is, um, a very powerful, um, uh, testament to like, um, perseverance and love and family. And, um, it's very touching. We were, I mean, uh, Adam and I, uh, sitting in the edit bay editing it and we're like, crying well, while we're while we're editing i mean you know usually we're not that close we're a little bit more object, objective as a journalist you know you're a little more objective or something but you're you cannot help but be affected by this like when you see you know what this family's going through so uh, yeah just very it's a privilege privilege to tell the story ryan and ben both said it it's truly a privilege to share the springer story I can't wait to root for them, not only this week, but forever. Totally on Team Springer. And before I get to one final recap of the five days Ben Van Hook spent with the family before Torrey Pines, I just want to also thank the team at Parpoints, the new app that allows you to change the way the game is scored. Think Stableford, but even better. Certainly more interesting, especially for kids, families, beginners, and buddy strips. Download the app now and go make par. All right, we end this with Ben, who shares more details about his full immersion into the life of the Springer family, a snapshot of their selfless love and exhausted dedication to their daughter and their dreams. We just decided to do like a really small crew. Uh, Henry, my DP, who I've collaborated with for years, he happened to be in Seattle at the time and he flew in and then I flew to Dallas. And then um, I brought one assistant with me, another camera operator, and also a utility guy. And then we just hired a sound guy in Dallas. And that was it. There was just four of us. And so it was very small, very intimate, and, um, you know, mi minimal lighting. I mean, you know, we just went into their home and, like, you know, she opened the doors for us and we could do whatever we want. So we basically, the reason I went in a day early uh, was uh, I went in on a, I'm trying to think now, it's a haze kind of, uh, I think we went in on a Wednesday. Yeah, Wednesday. We got there on Wednesday because that was, while we were there, that window, that was the last overnight she was going to work at the hospital. 
And I thought that was a really important part of the story. And we wanted to go to work with her because, I mean, we didn't say this in the film either, but she works a 12 hour shift from 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. But what she didn't say is that she has a one hour commute each way to Fort Worth to the hospital. So she's like, you know, I mean, she, she, the baby's still on breast milk and she has no time for, you know, for hardly anything. So she's driving on the interstate and she has to pump, you know, breast milk while she's in the car driving by herself. That's the kind of life they're living. And it's like, you know, I mean, he can't even imagine. And, and she goes to the hospital and she has to care for these patients like all night long. And then she comes back home and she's a, basically a nurse at home too, 24 hours a day. So I felt it was really important to get that. And so Henry and I went in a day early and we went with her to the hospital and then we came back. And then the next day we met her over at the house. I think maybe she and I slept two hours. And then she, um, she went to, um, uh, got us permission to shoot a therapy session with Sage that she takes her once a week to this uh, kind of an occupational therapy um, session. And so we went in there and shot that, which was really nice to get that because the next day they had a doctor's appointment, but because of COVID, we couldn't go into any hospital. So we, um, we went with her to the therapy session. We came back home, spent a little more time with her there. And then Thursday night, Hayden was flying in late from Savannah. He had just played out on the East coast somewhere and he flew in late, got in around 9 30 PM and we shot him at the airport. And then we, Henry jumped in the car with him and he drove home with him. And then we went home with him that night and then got up early the next morning and went over and basically spent all day Friday with them. And, you know, we did, you know, we did everything that day with Hayden because that was the only day that he was going to be there. And uh, one really touching thing that happened was at the end of the day, we shot this scene where they're cooking spaghetti you know, for the family, for a family dinner, which is typical for what they do if they don't get something out, especially if all of them are there and they put Sage on the dining room table, you know, while they eat dinner because she's right there with them. And, um, and then Emma and Jennifer, her mother-in-law, you know, said to me, she goes, hey, she goes, we're cooking. And she goes, you know, I insist that you and your crew, you know, eat dinner with us. And I thought that was like, you know, everything you're dealing with and you're going to like cook for the crew is like, you know, okay. So after they said the prayer, we shot a little bit of that, you know, we put the camera down and we pulled up a chair around the table and we, we broke bread with the family. And, you know, it's just really beautiful moment, you know, this like, and, and they were just so giving, you know, and like, you know, worrying about what we're going to eat and, you know, where we were staying and all those kinds of things. And, and so then the next day, Hayden was supposed to fly out early in the morning. So we said, okay, we'll come over to the house and we want to shoot a few odds and ends that we didn't get. And this was on Saturday morning. And we went over and Hayden was there. And I was like, what are you doing here? And he said, well, I drove to the airport, couldn't find a place to park. So I missed my flight. That's how packed the parking garages were. <laughs> so he missed his flight, drove back home and he's going to take an afternoon flight out. So instead of hanging out there, he comes back home to be with his family and be with his daughter. And so we shoot a little bit more with him there. And then, and then he takes off. And then we, we fly back home on Sunday. We say, it was like, you know, I mean, basically we, they let us move in with them in a way, you know, <laughs> but it shows in the, in the footage that we got and the story that they told us, because, you know, it was very, um, 
you know, it's just very intimate and, and she's just like so giving with the story that, um, you know, I just feel like it was a gift. <laughs>